Ao Kyoto Koto, Dan Poko Ingoa. Hello, everyone. My name is Dan, and it is so good to be with you this morning. It's so good to be gathered. Now, some of you are thinking, "Hang on a second. I read the email on Friday, and this is meant to be Vivek talking, not Dan." Yeah, well, Vivek got COVID, so <laughs> so uh, my Saturday was spent writing a sermon. So buckle in. <laughs> She's pretty rough and ready in places. A little bit lacking of some self-editing, I think, but that's all right. We'll be fine. Raw. <laughs> Vivek will do his talk. So if you came here expecting Vivek, he is. He will. I will cash that in for later. Uh, I'm doing a wedding in two weeks, so maybe he can speak that week. That will give me a way better weekend. Hey, it's good to be with you this morning, and again, um, yeah, happy Mother's Day to those of you who are mothers and uh, our motherly amongst us. We are so grateful that you're part of our community. You reflect the heart of God to us, and we're grateful for who you are, your care, your love. Uh, there's nothing quite like a mother. Uh, and again, if you find today hard, our hearts are with you. Uh, we carry that with you. We celebrate with those who are celebrating, and uh, we mourn with those who are mourning today. Today... Um, we're going to be continuing our Heart Talk series. And like I said, um, it was meant to be Vivek, uh, but I've stepped into the breach and, and here we are. And this talk today is going to continue on from my first talk that I did two weeks ago. The talk was called Centered on Jesus. I shared about how our name Central Vineyard literally means Centered on Jesus. That is our name. That's what we're trying to say every time we say that name. Central Vineyard, Centered on Jesus. Um, and there's this old saying, isn't there? The old saying is, you become what you worship. So if we are centered on Jesus and we're focused on Jesus, and if Jesus is everything to us, if he is at the center, well, then we will become like him. We'll do as he did if he were us. That's discipleship. We become people of a way of life where that center then defines truth and defines life for us. And so if you missed what I said a couple of weeks ago, um, I'd love you to go and check it out. Check it out on the podcast. You can listen. You can hear what I had to say. Uh, but it does set a bit of a scene for today. Today feels like a bit of a part two. So if you missed that, today's part two. And today, to uh, read our scripture, I'd love you to stand. And we're going to honor the reading of scripture with our bodies by standing. And uh, Ludwig is going to come and he's going to read for us John 14, 1 to 11. This is our text today. So Jesus and his uh, disciples are at the Last Supper, and this is Jesus speaking. John 14, 1 to 11. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. 
From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work that you have seen me do. This is the word of God for us today. Grab a seat. Thank you, Ludwig. I want to do a second reading again like I did in my first talk for those of you who were around. You know, um, I put a second reading up from uh, St. Eugene of Montana. I'm doing the same today. Uh, Eugene Peterson says this in his book, The Jesus Way. The ways employed in our North American culture, um, we can definitely use that today. That's not uh, a void statement. We, we too have a very North American culture as part of our culture. Uh, are conspicuously impersonal. Programs, organizations, techniques, general guidelines, information detached from place. In matters of ways and means, the vocabulary of numbers is preferred over names. Ideologies crowd out ideas. The gray fog of abstraction absorbs the sharp particularities of the recognizable face and the familiar street. My concern is provoked by the observation that so many who understand themselves to be followers of Jesus without hesitation and apparently without thinking embrace the ways and means of the culture as they go about their daily living in Jesus' name. But the ways that dominate our culture have been developed either in ignorance or in defiance of the ways that Jesus uses to lead us. Jesus as the truth gets far more attention than Jesus as the way. Jesus as the way is the most frequently evaded metaphor among the Christians with whom I have worked for 50 years as a North American pastor. We cannot skip the way of Jesus in our hurry to get to the truth of Jesus as he is worshipped and proclaimed. The way of Jesus is the way that we practice and come to understand the truth of Jesus. Living Jesus in our homes, in our workplaces, with our friends, and our family. Today in our reading from Scripture from Ludwig, and then we hear, those famous uh, we hear those famous words from Jesus. It's one of his seven I am statements that John records. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Here Jesus states that he is the way to see and to know God. You know, Colossians says this as well. In Christ, we've seen the fullness of God. He says, you can test it. It's true. He says, you can test this by seeing what I've done. And then you can put those things together and you end up with this life, this picture of a life lived. And Jesus frames up this little ecosystem here, the interactions between a way enacted, a truth that is known, and a life that is lived. So I just want you to hold that little ecosystem in your minds just for a few more minutes. 
And then in the second reading today, the one from St. Eugene of Montana, the rest of his book also speaks of the same thing. Peterson is commenting that the great need in the church is a rebalancing of this picture, this three-pointed ecosystem here, because we have given great amounts of hours and words and programs and efforts to that bottom left-hand corner, truth. We've given lots of hours and sermons and knowledge building to building that picture, but we have greatly neglected Jesus as the way. And as a result, our thinking of what life is meant to be all about as a Christian has become a very blurry and somewhat legalistic vision. And pastorally, Peterson is saying here in this reading today, he's raising something is amiss here. Something is not right. We're believing one thing with our confessions and our words about truth, but then our actions are not lining up with what we are saying. We are diluting this truth with our actions. The way we live our life is then showing that maybe the truths aren't true after all. We have dissected the way, the truth, and the life apart from each other. And he says they need to come back. And his encouragement is they need to come back by returning to the way. A life lived on the way of Jesus. And so today, I want to listen to the words from Jesus and I want us to reflect on Peterson's pastoral concern And I want us to share a little talk today called Returning to the Way of Jesus. Again, uh, this was meant to be a talk for like next week. Uh, I wrote it yesterday. Have some grace on me. All right. So firstly, what is the idea of a way? What actually are we talking about when we say a way of Jesus, the way of Jesus? What is a way? Well, a way is a way to travel. And a way is a way of travel. So for example, a way to travel. We've got paths, roads, streets, uh, train tracks, motorways, highways. All of these are ways to get from A to B. But we also go on those ways in a certain way. We walk, we ride, we drive, we get on the train as a passenger. So there's a way to travel and there's a way of travel. There's infrastructure And then there's a way of being on it. And Jesus is both of these uh, ideas of to and of. Jesus is the way to the Father, as in his atoning work. But he's also a way of being, as in a witness and and a, a, a life lived, an embodiment. You tracking with me? So yeah, he's the way to the Father. He atones our sins, he forgives us, and he helps us to see God and meet God. But he also is this way of being in replication and in doing and embodying. As he was incarnate, we too are invited to be incarnate. So we too are called to both. Jesus is our salvation and what he has done for us and and, and our way of knowing the Father, but yet he is also our example in that he he had lived a certain way that we are to replicate. So some scriptures just to show you what I mean here and what, what is kind of um, a bit of a picture. In, in Matthew 7, Jesus speaks about um, this idea of a way uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. He's using these ideas here of ways to travel, ways to go about life. Uh, Eugene Peterson just says, it's the road. You know, like he actually said in the John 14 reading that Ludwig just did before, he says, I am the road. He's saying, I am, I am the gate. I am, I am these things. I am, I'm a mode of being uh, on tra- in transport. 
And so Jesus is the way to God, is one way we can look at this. So John 14 verse 6 says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. John 17 verse 3. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know to know you, the one only true God and Jesus Christ, the one who sent to earth. There's this thing of, there's a, there's a mechanism of journey and travel here through what Christ has done for our lives. But then Jesus is calling us to his way. So we can get on with what Jesus did and it can be atoning and it can do some um, good for our souls. But also there's a call to then replicate. In John 15, 12, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Now, giving up your cross and following him is really important to say because we live in a lot of different ways already. We live in a lot of different ways. We're surrounded in a lot of different ways every day. Um, A little joke here. Uh, how do you know if someone is a vegan? Answer, don't worry, they'll tell you in the first two minutes of meeting them. <laughs> you know, veganism is a way of life. To all my vegans, shout out to you, respect. I'm not digging at you, but hey, lighten up a little bit, eh? <laughs> I also love this meme. Um, I think this is great. The first rule of CrossFit is you always talk about CrossFit. The second rule of CrossFit is you always talk about CrossFit. <laughs> F45, you know, we could stack a bunch of these different fitness programs in there. They become a way of life for people, don't they? It's like their whole gravity of life is lived through this fitness program, this community that they belong to, this cult that they belong to. Um, (laughs) Some are... You know, we live in all kinds of different ways. We live in ways like the political way, the liberal way, or the conservative way. We live in generational ways, the millennial way, the boomer way. There's all these different ways of life. And uh, John Mark Comer on the This Cultural Moment podcast said a few years ago, the way of Jesus is a way of life. Full stop. Like I could end the sermon there. It's, it's, it's true. The way of Jesus is a way of life. It's a way of all of our being, being up for grabs for the name of Jesus as our Lord. All of our life gets carried along on this journey following Jesus and and putting everything under his authority and everything under his scrutiny and everything under his redefinition of what is right and true and good. Our money, our parenting, our time, our speech, our recycling, our sex, our attitudes, our stories, all, all of it and so much more become a way of showing that we are following Jesus of Nazareth. The way of Jesus is a way of Life. In Matthew 3, verse 8, John the Baptist says this Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. This is John the Baptist speaking before Jesus, just saying, Turn, turn. How do you do that? Well, prove by the way you are living. And in Romans 12, I love this in the message. This is just beautiful. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. You know, this is what worship is. A life of worship is laying out everything. Every day, every hour, every minute, everything inside, everything outside for Him. 
So how do we know what the way of Jesus is if we're to become those kinds of people? How do we do that? Well, I just want to throw a little uh, grid up here and see if this is helpful. How do we know what the way of Jesus is? I think it's four things. I think we can assess it using four different angles. Firstly, the way of Jesus is his teachings. The teachings of Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount. The parables. The conversations. The dialogue. Reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and and listening to what the great rabbis said. Listening to what he said and defined things at. Listening to how he scoped some stuff up. Listening to the commands he gave. Listening to the instructions he gave. So I would say, firstly, the Jesus way is, is, is living in line with Jesus' teachings. That would be the first thing. But then it's not just his teachings. I think it's other things. It's observing what he modeled. So it's, it's watching him in the Gospels as well. Watching what he displayed. You know, watching the fact that he got away to be with the Father every morning alone, withdrawn in prayer, and then we would return to minister powerfully in signs and wonders and miracles. And then he would withdraw again, and then he would return again. Okay, so for this to be sustainable, I wonder if I need to find the same pattern, (laughs) you know? It's looking at the fact that he displayed power as he prayed for the sick. It's looking at the fact that he wept over Jerusalem and interceded and prayed. It's looking at the fact that he got around tables and ate with people, It's looking at the fact that he walked on the road and was close to people. Like It's looking at what he modeled. So, okay, so we've got to look at the teachings, but then we've got to look at what he embodied and what he lived. And then I think there's a third thing. We have to note his posture. His posture and his interactions for others in the Gospels. You know, his posturing of himself amongst the broken, but also his posturing and positioning of himself amongst friends, his disciples, those he loved, but also positioning himself amongst a crowd, You know, that's a big one for me, like watching how Jesus interacts with the crowd, where he wanted his value be defined by success and stuff like that. It's like, man, there's so much to learn as I look at the the posture of Jesus and his value with his father and how that's all playing out. Uh, Also his posture of um, the power dynamics that were at play around him. You know, he was so good at redefining power and saying, oh, no, 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 I have come to serve. I've come to serve. I'm not climbing a hierarchy here among you. I'm here to serve. His posture was that of a servant. And then lastly, the fourth thing that I think helps us to frame up the way of Jesus is the culture of the way of Jesus, which is the fact that Jesus brought this culture of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. You know, when Jesus spoke of a greater story that was going on around him, it was the kingdom of God. It's his declaration of good news. The kingdom of God has come among you. It was this shalom of God around him, breaking in and bursting in and at work. God's work was at hand. And so, so I would just argue and just sort of throw it, throw it out here for us to consider today that if we're going to think about the way of Jesus, we have to think about all four of these things blended together and being held in tension. And what I mean by that is it, it's really possible to master his teachings and to be a dick. Right? We all know people like that. 
They know their Bibles really, really well, but their posture towards people is just horrific. There's no grace, there's no humility, there's no posture of empathy or caring. You know, his posture, we need to bring the posture on board. But what about when people are like, yeah, yeah, but Jesus, he, he postured himself like this, so therefore we can disregard the truth of what he said. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, I know Jesus, we postured in this way towards people, but that doesn't, valid, that doesn't take off the table what he also taught. Right? You with me? Because the progressive Christianity lens at the moment is like, well, Jesus would be like this towards these people, and he'd be like this towards everyone. Yeah, I completely agree with you. He would definitely be postured like that. But he still said what he said in the Sermon on the Mount. We've got to figure this out. We've got to hold that there too. There's an ethic to hold. There's a complexity to this. See, it's getting harder, right? And I haven't even talked about the next two things. <laughs> but this is what I mean. The way of Jesus becomes the sort of complex picture of holding all of these things in tension. Which is why the disciples who were with Jesus walking along with him still asked dumb questions right up till the end, still had all these things they didn't understand, still needed his grace, still needed his teaching, still needed his instruction, still needed his modeling, still needed him to tell what the kingdom was. It's just a forever, of, it's an all of life journey. And we have to be signed up for that and ready for it. All four of these things help us to see the way of Jesus clearly for us to imitate and to live into as well. We need to be taught the way of Jesus. We need to see what he modeled as the way of Jesus. We need to learn to share his posture, the heart stuff, the way we are around people. And we need to live in his culture of the kingdom of God. So why is this a heart talk today? Why, you know, why pull this out as a heart talk? Because if you went around for the last couple of weeks, these heart talks are our chances as pastors to say, this is what's really precious to us as we go forward. You know, so we don't really talk about Vision Sunday here at Central Vineyard. We, we never really have. What we want to do is we want to say, these are the things that are dear to us and let's keep going towards them. And uh, this, is, this is important today because this is why it matters if we go against that way or if we leave its path, we will end up going elsewhere. Now, I know that, that may not seem very profound. It's pretty obvious, eh? Captain Obvious, Dan. You can tell you wrote that talk yesterday. But I want you to think about it. This idea of a way is a very potent idea full of, it's stacked with potential. Because a way speaks of going somewhere and the results you are going to get as you go there and along the way. It's incredibly important. You know, I think of um, people who have loved me in my past and loved me enough to say to me when they can see that I'm going away that they know I actually don't really want to be heading. I can think of moments in my life when people I've respected have said, hey, if you do that little decision there and if you make that decision there, this is where it's going to track. And I actually don't think you, you want to be at where that's tracking. Wow, thank you for telling me that. Thank you for loving me enough to show me that. You know, I think of my parents. I think of my dad. My dad who would discipline me because I was quite a, I was quite a rough, uh, rough kid at times. Um, my son has started to take after me in different ways and I'm having to learn how to deal with this. But grace and mercy. Um, but my, son, my dad would say to me, you know, Dan, that's not how we do things. That's not our way. Now, I'm a pastor's kid, so I understand there's a lot loaded up behind that. 
there's a lot of expectations loaded up behind that. But actually, what I respect about my dad so much as well now, in later years, is like what he was saying is, that's not the way of our family, Dan. Like, come on, our family's trying to track towards these values and this vision and this way of being in the world. And you're actually cutting against the grain of that with that. Come on. You're going a different way. It's important. So I know that may seem like a really obvious thing to say. When we go another way, we end up going elsewhere, but it's actually really profound. And it's really important in our Christian life because anything that goes against the grain and the direction of the way of Jesus, we can actually say that that thing is, oh, that's the wrong slide. It's meant to say um, Antichrist. So I'm going to, there we go. That one. I've got them in the wrong order. I'll come back. You're all like, what was that I just saw? <laughs> I'll, I'll get to that. I'm coming back to that one. Anything that goes against the way of Jesus is anti-Jesus. It's, it's anti-Christ. So for example, ab- abuse and coercion is anti-Christ because Jesus' way of leadership was that of a servant. Bitterly burning down the church to the ground is anti-Christ because Christ loved his church. You have factions in the church, splitting it up, breaking it up into pieces of who says what and agrees with this and that. It's anti-Christ because Jesus prayed that we would all be one, that we would be united. You know, a culture where things can't be raised or where things cannot be reviewed or where things cannot be discussed or, or where things are, are swept away and pushed away, that's anti-Christ because Jesus led his disciples in open conversation about all sorts of things. You know, stingy, stingy people are anti-Christ because Jesus calls us to be generous. Anger and bitterness is, is anti-Christ. I mean, I could go on and on and on. When it cuts against the way of Jesus, we can say that's actually going a different way. It's actually anti the way of Jesus. So remember, the way of Jesus is a way of life. So all of our lives lived at the center of who he is, of all things, he becomes our Christ. And as I said a couple of, days, a couple of weeks ago, Jesus is the center. And if he isn't the center, we end up putting other things there. That's why I said to go. Why is this important? Why is Jesus being central important to us as a church? Because if he's not the center, we'll put something else there. And now I want to say, and if he's our center, our job is to keep him in the center and to walk his way because his way will take us to a life abundant and a life everlasting. And that's where Peterson's critique that I started with really kicks in. This promise that as we do that, we place ourselves on his way. We'll experience new things of truth. We'll experience new things of life and all that he promises us. You know, there should be a congruence in our life lived uh, and our truths believed and our life lining up to this beautiful Christ-like life. And together, if we all do that, we'll end up with a beautiful Christ-like community, not an anti-Christ community. Now, the second reason this is a hard talk, I'm going to scroll back and we'll get to that one there, um, is because we, I mean, I want to just put I, maybe I should just put I, but I think I can put we. I, Alicia would back me on this. Vivek would say the same thing. Rob would say the same thing. Gab would say the same thing. All the people that are involved in leadership in this church, I think, would just say yes and amen to this one. You know, we are utterly convinced that Jesus' way is the way to an abundant life of love. That's why this is a heart talk today, because we're just utterly convinced this is the answer and this is the one, this is the thing to be called to. Um, earlier this week, I caught this 2000s baby uh, show being promoted. Has anyone seen this or watched this? Yeah, you just don't. Um, 
so it was on it was on breakfast TV, and 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 two of the cast were being interviewed. And so I've never seen the show or anything, but the two cast members were being interviewed. And so what the show is about is um, they followed uh, five twenty-year-olds as they started to turn twenty-one, and they just followed their life like a documentary style. But the two people in the interview, like I couldn't figure out if they were real or not. Like I couldn't figure out if they were just acting and playing up, or if this was like legit, because it was pretty bizarre what, what I was witnessing, like the way that they were dressed and stuff, and I just suddenly realized, man, I think I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> that must be what's going on here. You know, I, I couldn't, I still don't quite know, and I'm not going to watch, I don't think I'm going to watch it, but I want to watch it just to find out, are they real? Are these are real people. Anyway, I actually thought that they were hyper caricatures of kind of like the average 20 year old at the moment, but it turns out I think they are real people. Anyway, at the end of the interview was something very real though. At the end of the interview, uh, the guy interviewing them said, you know, okay, so the show is about you because you're born in 2000 and now you're turning 21, 22 and all this sort of stuff. What do you want your life to be like in the next 20 years? Like if we were following you again for another 20 years, what would you like to say? And this is what they said. Quote, I want to have had a good time. Next person, quote, I want to have enjoyed myself and stuff. Which brings me to, back here, there we go, that one. That is a snapshot of our cultural moment of the hedonistic dream. Hedonism is to live your life by the metric that I will do what feels good. I will live my life via the lens of self-pleasure alone. I want to be gratified. Hedonism is at the core of narcissism. It's the root of the avoidance of suffering. It's the cultural stream that we're swimming in every single day. And when I, when I watched that little interview play out and I saw them say what they said, I thought, there it is. Yeah, so what do you want to do for the next 20 years? What do you imagine the best that you could if you're being on film for the next 20 years? What would you want? Oh, I, want to, I want to have good time and stuff. Wow. <laughs> Jimmy, look away. <laughs> the core beliefs of hedonism is this. Number one, do what feels good to me. And core belief number two is avoid suffering at all costs. And now none of those things are necessarily bad. It, it, it is good to do things that are pleasurable. Like that, that's part of life and it should be enjoyed too. And we, and we should have tried to avoid suffering because suffering sucks. <laughs> but... The problem is, is when you build an entire framework that just only wants good things and wants to avoid suffering, you are shortchanging your vision of what life could actually be. And your idea of the good life will always be unsatisfied. So if Jesus is promising life and he's promising it life abundant, then what is the metric for the Christian life? Is it the same thing? I was to say, hey, in 20 years' time of being a Christian, some cameras have been following you around and they want to record you as you profoundly tell them what this is all about. What are you going to say? Well, my life is haunted by some words from Mark chapter 10 where Jesus says, man, I really got those around the wrong way, didn't I? Um, where Jesus says this, among you it will be different. So what is the difference while the difference seems to be from our scriptures today, we're invited to follow a way that has a gateway of self-sacrifice. 
The gateway is dying to oneself, carrying a cross. And from there, from that starting point, we are then called to resurrection. Rather than a spirit of self, we are replaced with the Holy Spirit. And with that spirit, then a life comes that bears certain fruit, certain metrics, if you will. You know, St. Paul spoke, uh, spoke of a snapshot of how this life could look if we, what did I say? Smoked. So, <laughs> just realized, smoked. Damn. Uh, he might have. St. Paul spoke of a snapshot. I, I should have edited that out. That's a hard four words to say. Of how, how the Christian life could be looked if it was metriced up. And it's in Galatians 5. He uses two images. Option A, option B. Column A, column B. Here's column A. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. One way we could just say that last little, you know, I'm not messing with scripture here, but you could sort of say at the end, this is not the way. Okay, you can say that. This is not the way. Option B, list two. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And then that's what's growing in its place. You know, Paul's images are really obvious. Image one is one way, but the words of Jesus has come back to me. But among you, it will be different. You know, option B, image two, the Jesus way. The fruit of the Spirit as the metrics of measuring how we're on the journey. These are the, the, the metrics of the Christian life. These are the metrics. And so, in closing, what's the point of the journey? Like, what's the, what are we aiming for here? Or maybe just let me ask it this way. Who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? With your everyday, normal, real lived life, lived life who are you becoming? What's your answer? If a film crew was following you to document and show this is, this is, a, this is a person living life today, here's what they're navigating and here's what they're doing and here's who they are, you know, what would that film crew see in six months' time? What would they see in 10 years' time? What would they see in 40 years' time? What, what do you see as you think about that? And the question is, how will you get there? What way are you traveling towards that vision? And what I'm hoping, and what I would so encourage you in, in today, is that I hope that your answer would be, and I hope that your answer would become more and more, bit by bit, I am traveling towards becoming like Jesus and having him fully formed in my life. And I'm traveling towards that by imitating his way bit by bit 
by bit, day by day by day, step by step by step, piece by piece by piece. I'm learning a little bit more of his teachings. I'm observing his posture. I'm, pick, I'm picking up on what he modeled. And I'm stepping into a greater reality of the culture of the kingdom of God. Bit by bit by bit. Piece by piece by piece. Day by day by day. Step by step by step. Ultimately, ultimately it's that you would experience loving union with God. Because that is what the way of Jesus did for Jesus. Ultimately, it's that you would receive love from your heavenly father. His affection and his affirmation for you. And and that you would then become more loving. And you'd be able to give away that love that you have received to others. And I think we all know this, but Love's not just a thought. Love is lived. Love is a way to be. Love is a way. And that way looks like a life where we become a lover who is joyful amongst so much cultural melancholy. Or a lover who becomes peaceful amongst so much conflict. Or a lover who becomes patient amongst those doing so many things on their schedules. Or we become a lover who is kind amongst so much trolling. We're good amongst so much evil. Uh, We're faithful amongst, I'll be really honest, uh, lots of flakiness. We become gentle amongst And we become self-controlled amongst the do whatever you want, whenever you want to, to feel good. Hedonistic dream that we are swimming in every single day. The way of Jesus is a way of life lived in love. Living these things. And amongst so many other ways that we could live, let us return to this way. Let us return to this way.